0: My name is Lex, and this week on the season premiere of Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's Spider-Man Blue, the merits of joining the military, and the colors of nostalgia. Get ready to fall in love, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man. I'm Lex, and I am Alex. Uh, it's been a hot minute, hasn't it?
1: yeah, it's it's been a bit. Um, I mistakenly said to a friend the other day that, oh yeah, we we tapered off doing the the last season in like April. And then I I checked back the other day to listen through, and no, we we ended in January, so I don't no, know. We ended back in we ended back in January. I don't know where my brain was with that, but um, yeah, it 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 feels a lot. It feels like I've been a lot longer than it has been, even with my like slip up there. Uh, I missed it, honestly. I I love babbling about Spider Man, so uh, welcome back to that.
0: Yeah, this this has been a really really fun thing, and I love doing this podcast. And we're here. We're back. It's season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a, a packed schedule, if you haven't seen our Twitter. Uh, we got 15 episodes, as opposed to the 11 we had last season. Uh, we got more guests. It's all leading up to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which will come out, oh, the episode of which will come out a week after the movie comes out, so mm-hmm. that we have time to to do stuff. So let's run down our, our Season 2 schedule really quick. So this episode, obviously, we're talking about Spider-Man Blue. Uh, episodes 2 through 5, we're going to be talking about the uh, spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. We're going to be breaking up both seasons into individual parts. So, you know, Season 1, Part 1, Season 1, Part 2, and so on and so forth. Uh, episode 6, uh, my good friend Jackson will be joining us to talk about Craven's Last Hunt, which is going to be really exciting. Uh, for episode seven, we'll be talking about the 1977 made for TV Spider-Man movie with Nicholas Hammond,
1: uh, with Alex's friend, Robert. Very much looking forward to having him on. Uh, he, he knows his stuff. He's a bit of a connoisseur of shitty seventies media. Uh, it's going to be a fun one to discuss.
0: After that, we've got the clone saga, which is going to be very exciting because I've a lot of these in this lineup i haven't actually seen like i've never seen spectacular spider-man i haven't watched the 77 movie i haven't read the clone Mm -hmm. saga it's gonna be exciting to go from last season where i had seen every movie on there to now getting into sort of uncharted
1: waters very much the same for me clone saga is a personal favorite so i'm really looking forward to that one
0: I'm excited to see it because I really like Ben Reilly's costume when he becomes Spider-Man. I talked about that uh, last week. <laughs>
1: he's the only Marvel Legends figure I've got, actually, is uh, Scarlet Spider. But I'm excited to to see what he's all about.
0: Uh, after that, we've got another guest episode. Uh, Toei Spider-Man with
1: uh, Brian, returning guest Brian Alexander. Yeah, he he's he's big into um kaiju Toei stuff. He's he's gonna have a lot to say about this, I imagine. We're gonna watch. Uh, there's a lot of it. There's like fifty something episodes, right? So, yeah, something um, like that. We're we're just gonna pick and choose some some highlights, maybe some fan favorites, that kind of thing. Just some stuff to discuss.
0: We're gonna have him pick a couple episodes to talk about, and uh, have him sort of be our, our tour guide through this. Uh, then episode ten is a smaller episode, just to get us a, a break from the big long comic arcs and stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about the amazing adventures of Spider-Man, which is a, a theme park ride at Universal Studios. <laughs> it sure is. That'll be a, a fun little breather of an episode. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to talk about that because I, I I love that ride. Uh, then yeah. we're going to be talking about uh, Spider-Man: The New Animated Series. The uh, MTV CGI cartoon that came out a little bit after the first Rainy movie, but before the second Rainy movie with uh, Neil Patrick Harris as Spider-Man fucking. Oh, yeah. Lisa Loeb plays Mary Jane Watson. Oh my God,
1: that's incredible. <laughs> uh, and there's like the Rob Zombie is the lizard. OK, sure. Whatever. Fuck it. I, I'm now looking forward to it. We're getting sidetracked.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to look into that because I've heard a lot of weird things about it and it takes place in like a uh, universe like post Spider-Man 1 the movie. Uh so that's all canon, but Spider-Man 2 hasn't come out yet, so they like sort of sort of like free jazz it out with uh all the characters and stuff. It's really interesting to see what they'll will do with that stuff. Absolutely. Uh and then after that, we've got a double feature of two comic uh mini series sort of uh story arcs that both tie into each other and one of which ties in to No Way Home, which was very surprising. Uh, we're looking at
1: Back in Black and One More Day. One More Day is kind of uh, reviled by the fan base, to say the least. Um, I don't know anybody that likes it, let alone would call it their favorite. Um, and it's 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 really weird to see both Lex and I have separately and together. We've said like, oh, God, it, it's really from the one, like, major trailer we've gotten so far for No Way Home, it really looks like they're gonna be pulling elements of, like, the 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 idea of everybody forgetting that Peter and Spider-Man are the same person, uh, you know, life-changing magic elements, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed what they've done with MCU Spider-Man so far, so it's interesting to see them, like, have this winning horse in this race and go, okay, let's possibly cripple it by by infusing this here, but... Uh, I'm in. I'll be there. I'm going to see it.
0: Yeah, it's like like a like a fan service to you. One more day is not what I expected this movie to be. But, you know, this is the universe that we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting. Uh, the next episode after that, we're going to be talking about the Broadway sensation Spider-Man Turn
1: Off the Dark uh, with my friend B. This is going to be possibly the amazing Spider-Man 2 of this season. I think I don't know. <laughs>
0: I know I know for a fact, before going into that, I know that there are two completely different versions of the show. Like, they rewrote it in the middle of previews. E. Uh, there's obviously music from uh, Bono and The Edge. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's going to be a whole fucking odyssey. And I think B's got his own little tricks he's got cooked up for that episode. So I'm excited for that. Uh, then yeah, we've got the Master much. Planner Saga, uh, which is if I believe Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man 31, 32, and 33, that's sort of at the tail end of the Lee Ditko run, generally considered to be sort of their the high watermark of that run. Uh, I haven't read it in a long time, so I'm excited to get back into it and just remember how, how good of a story that is. And that will be coming out on the day that No Way Home releases, December 17th, but we record it uh, earlier. So we're going to be at the movie theater when that episode comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. and then obviously the season finale Christmas Eve we're talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh I've said this about a million times. I am excited to get into this shit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um we've we've got a, a a big weird season ahead of us and I really like that. Uh not saying I didn't have fun with season 1 because I did, but there's just this like sense of unfamiliarity with a lot of this material like an exciting unfamiliarity i've 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 read about half of it maybe seen a lot less than that actually most of the visual stuff we're watching here i've not seen i've ridden the ride that's about it um yeah this is gonna be great i actually watched the spectacular pilot last night enjoyed that but we'll get there next week uh we'll see right here right now we are with spider-man blue that is correct uh
0: Spider-Man Blue is a comic miniseries that was released in six issues from 2002 to April 2003. Uh, it was written by Jeff Loeb, who is best known for doing a lot of TV work. He produced and wrote for Smallville and Lost and Heroes. Uh, for a while, I don't know if he is still now, but uh, he was the vice president of Marvel Television, so he worked on like the Netflix shows. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff like that. Uh, also, he is notably a massive racist to a lot of the Asian cast in Daredevil and in Iron Fist. So that's
1: great. Marvel has a a, a weird little track record with stuff like that. Um, he's a separate guy from the guy that was pretending to be Asian and wrote comics, right? That's a different guy.
0: Yeah, he wrote
1: for Cracked.
0: I don't know if he ever wrote anything for Marvel, but, you know, who knows? But getting away from that you know, who isn't a massive racist as far as we know, uh, Tim Sale, who did the artwork uh, for this comic. He's mostly known for working with Loeb, specifically on the iconic Batman The Long Halloween, but he's also done other stuff like Superman For All Seasons and the other Marvel Colors series. There's Captain America White and Hulk Gray and Daredevil Yellow. Daredevil Yellow in particular is very, very good, along with this. Uh, the lettering was done by Wes Abbott and Richard Starkings, and finally, the colors on this comic were done by Steve Bucciolato. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, but Alex, do you have any sort of personal experiences with this comic before you read it?
1: Uh, I, there was a point where I thought I had read this complete thing in the past, but it uh, it had turned out I'd only read part of it. And me being who I am, I'm a big like fiend for canon and and knowing the whole story. and uh, when it comes to even stuff I like and even stuff I don't like, a lot of times I'll just read a synopsis if if I care enough. I've I've read so many things about movies I've never even seen, and you know that's just how I am. Uh, I, I being also who I am, I'm familiar with the characters in this story and and the experiences they've had before, during, and after this story. So it's not like it was a uh, some great new groundbreaking thing I, I I read and learned, but at the same time. Having read this for the, the first time all the way through for the podcast, despite knowing the major plot beats of it, it still did a number on me like as a reader. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, so no no real like deep personal experiences to speak of, but I am intending to get a physical copy of it as soon as I can for the for the comic shelf. Uh, very, very like I, I I might I like it a lot uh, as a longtime Spider-Man guy. Yeah, I. Uh... When
0: I first read this comic back in, I think, like, I want to say, like, 2018, back when I was getting back into Spider-Man again, uh, I read it online, and I loved it, and then I got to trade paperback, and I read it again and again and again. i read it many, many times. Uh, I love this comic so much, and I'm very excited to just sort of jump right
1: into it. So, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, can you tell us the
0: plot of Spider-Man Blue?
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's broken up across six issues, uh, about 20 ish, 22 pages each. Uh, so it's a pretty, pretty concise story. It goes pretty quickly. Um, it takes place, uh, over two parts in the timeline. Really? Peter is, uh, sitting down in the present day, which would be, uh, a good number of years after the, the Gwen Stacy death incident. Uh, he's married to MJ at this point. Yeah, this is, they're married, they're living in a house together, the whole nine yards. Uh, the present day uh, is there, and the, most of the story is told in the past uh, via a series of, like, uh, flashback vignettes while Peter is uh, speaking into um, Uncle Ben's old tape recorder about his past, um, especially regarding his feelings about uh, Gwen Stacy. He's essentially doing a little, like, remembrance thing. He He leaves a rose on the bridge every year. We get a great little opening with that, him swinging through and leaving the rose on the top, and it falls in the water as he slowly to us.
0: I love that little rose moment. I think mean, it's really good.
1: It's really good. The it's the rose is actually just about the only thing in the present day that isn't blue. Um, everything in the present is told in blue tones, uh, while the flashbacks are told in really, you know, great, fantastic Spider-Man color. Um... He's he's reminiscing into the tape recorder about how uh, on Valentine's Day, he goes every year to the location where Gwen lost her life. uh, And that takes him down the road of remembering Norman Osborn, uh, the Green Goblin, who we get a this our little opening action sequence with just some great, great like quip dialogue. Uh, Norman has Peter tied to a chair unmasked and he's talking, you know, rambling about revealing his identity to the world um peter springs out of the chair beats the crap out of him i uh, i love
0: the the dialogue in this comic all the all the quips and uh all the later super dramatic dialogue i really really love how yeah. snappy it all is how well it's written and the action is also really really great there's a couple of very sh- all, a lot of the action sequences in this comic are like short but they have a lot of impact and punch and a lot of that is uh uh, Tim Sale's very dynamic and, well, like I said, punchy uh, artwork.
1: Yeah, there's um, there there's just about a big centerpiece fight sequence in just about every one of these issues, but it's never, like, I say centerpiece, but it's never what the issue is about. This is a very talky comic. This is a very feely comic. Uh, it just happens to have a big fight in just about every issue. But that's that's a great Spider-Man balance there. That's what you would hope up for, I think, ideally. Um, and one thing, like we were talking about with the dialogue, this comic gets right a lot is is, um, is characterization. Uh, the great goblin moments, uh, great Spider-Man moments all the way throughout. I especially like in this first fight... Uh, when the green goblin just brings up how much of a loser harry is and peter's like uh yeah okay whatever and makes some offhand comment about harry and the goblin retorts like don't bring up my son and it's like you did it first it, it, peter brings that up on the very next page it's it's really funny i don't know I, I like that moment yeah it's great uh peter does eventually defeat the goblin in battle uh knocking Norman out so hard that he is rendered into classic comic book amnesia, supposedly. Uh, pulls his mask off of him, we get a great little, oh, what's going on? Where's Harry? Uh, what are these clothes yeah, he gets,
0: moment? He gets he gets
1: sixties comic book amnesia, which is very, <laughs> very good. It's the most convenient kind of amnesia. Um Peter has a little hero moment where he, you know, debates what's going on here internally and decides to turn Norman over to the the firefighters and police outside as the... There's this explosion that's gone on and rendered whatever goblin lair this was. Uh, it, it's a burning building now. And as as Peter gets Norman, this unconscious Norman, out of here and turns him over to, you know, authorities that'll help him, he he says that Norman helped him kill and defeat the Green Goblin. Uh, well, he doesn't say he helped kill him. He says the Green Goblin is dead. I should specify that. I'm, I'm not J. Jonah Jameson. Um, but the Green Goblin is supposedly dead, if you believe Spider-Man, and Norman Osborn helped aid in his defeat. We we go from this sequence to um, a great classic Peter at the Daily Bugle situation, asking for an advance from J Jonah Jameson. Um, really unfair pay sequence here with like the yeah, stub he, being issued. What does he
0: say? He says, uh, "You get paid like any other freelancer, Parker. Two weeks after you voucher from that given Friday." <laughs> Just a real, like, hard-ass
1: JJJ moment. Really, really tough shit, man. Like, we we get off easy being able to, like, deposit a check from our phones now. You know, Peter had to work for that shit. Um, you know, we get really great classic J. Jonah Jameson blustering, real real good curmudgeon stuff. Um, like I said, characterization is on point here. Um, Robbie pops up, uh, and... A lot of little great continuity stuff here. They mention the upcoming Tony Stark trial. Uh, Phil Sheldon gets brought up. Yeah, Phil uh, Sheldon
0: from Marvels, which is another great little mini series. You've never read it? Got great I, Alex Ross art.
1: I've not read it myself, uh, but I've I've heard you bring it up before. It seems pretty neat. Um, but yeah, we we get you know lots of little classic bugle back and forth. Uh, Robbie tells us that uh, Norman Osborne is recovering in a nearby hospital, and, you know, there's a photo op to be had there. Uh, so rather than sending Phil Sheldon, they send Peter volunteers to go. He's insisting that he take the job, uh, hoping that it'll motivate pay to come his way a little quicker. Um, he gets there and uh, runs into Harry Osborne, who is attending his father's bedside, Um, Harry and Peter don't really know each other very well at this point. They do go on to become best friends. Um, but it's, I'd be a little weirded out too if just some guy from my high school was there, if my dad had like been goblin assaulted, you know, it'd be a little weird to me. Um, but yeah, Harry's there keeping a vigil over his father's bedside. He has a little dialogue with Peter, um, and eventually, the rest of Harry's uh, gang shows up. Uh, we get Flash Thompson and our our introduction in this comic to Gwen Stacy, Peter's love. They they all kind of you know group up for a minute before heading out. And Flash makes a remark about uh, you know Peter Parker being there. What the what the hell's going on about that? Harry reassures Flash that Peter's you know he's a stand up guy. He's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't rag on him so hard. And we get a a great little like moment where where Peter and Gwen have this little lingering gaze, uh, you know, immediately setting him off. He, you know, there's an immediate connection there. Um, we go from this scene to the Parker household. Uh, we all love the Parker house. Very simple little thing, as it should be. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a later on. I don't remember what issue it is. I think it's like issue four. At the start of
0: issue four. There's a really really nice. Uh, Exterior shot of the Parker house And uh, I guess Now would be a good time for me to talk About uh, one of my notes which is That the art in this book is really really good But uh, mm-hmm. I want to point out Like how great the coloring is uh, Obviously there's all yeah. the All the blue stuff in the the Present timeline but here in the pat here in the past it's like There's always like really rich colors uh, That make everything Sort of pop out but also have, makes it Have sort of a it's like like sort of a throwback to the that classic Ramita style, uh, with the bright sure. colors and designs. But also, there's like sort of a warmth to it that adds that to that sort of like nostalgic uh, feel that Peter has in this moment. Yeah,
1: definitely intentionally so, I think. Um, at, at the Parker House on this day, uh, Peter is uh, pining for a motorcycle. Is is, is his motivation here? Uh, Makes me, you know, reminds me a bit of the the Peter wanting a car so desperately in, in the Raimi original. Um, always a wacky motivation to me in a it's... in a city where public transit exists in so many forms uh, besides wall crawling and web slinging. The man is always, for some reason, desperately after wheels. I don't get it.
0: Gotta get the, gotta get those $3,000. Gotta get in the
1: ring. Gotta fight. Bone saw blue. Mm. Uh, Peter, uh, you know, like any person who wants a motorcycle decides to tell his, his elderly aunt this and, and stress her out with that information that he wants, uh, a motorcycle. And in this fantastic little cute little, uh, Aunt May moment, she pulls out this hidden car fund she and Uncle Ben had had aside conveniently that never got used up for any kind of, oh no, aunt needs money, uh, plot for, uh, but there's this great little tender moment where she gives it over to Peter, and uh he goes to the motorcycle store and purchases a motorcycle on a whim, uh seeing that Gwen and the the others are nearby um yeah, and May is not in this comic a whole lot,
0: but every time she is, she's just this that that really classic sweet old lady aunt may and it's 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 really good they do they get that aunt may Peter relationship right, mhm.
1: Mm -hmm. Everything in this comic is is correct. I like to say it's just it it, it's just correct. They get it right. Uh, And and there is so much Spider-Man that does not get it correct out there uh, across all the different mediums. So it's It's, always it's it's very
0: rare for it to get every part of it right.
1: Absolutely. It's it's a well-oiled machine. There's a great, great sequence here. I know you like this panel a lot of um, of Peter taking Gwen for a ride on the bike. Yeah, this this uh, splash page of
0: of Peter and Gwen riding on the motorcycle. It's really, really good. I think it 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 it's ends up
1: closing closing out uh, the first book. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. Uh, yeah, we're we're right at the end of uh, book one. Uh, we get MJ here. Uh, not not Peter's introduction to MJ, but our introduction to this uh, book's version of MJ. Uh, coming to Peter Parker's home to visit, but Aunt May disappointedly telling her that he is out and to check again later and that she definitely will. Uh, as we move into book two, uh, news is spreading of the Green Goblin's death. Uh, and we're introduced to the the main antagonist of this. Uh, this isn't uh, another like build up to how Gwen Stacy died. That story's been told a whole bunch. If they don't touch on it like that event here. The Green Goblin is not the big bad here. It's it's this mystery gigantoid man in the shadows wearing a fur coat. Uh, terrorizes a, a a newspaper salesman for a bit. Fun little New York moment there. Uh, He finds out that the Green Goblin is supposedly dead and that Spider-Man is responsible, or so says the Daily Bugle, and he sets out to track down Spider-Man. Peter, meanwhile, is at the science lab class with Gwen, kind of seemingly oblivious to her flirting with him, trying to get his attention. Uh, This is Peter Parker, though, so, like, he says he's oblivious, but he's also, like, actively flirting with her, so I don't know, you know, unreliable narrator,
0: maybe. (laughs) there's a there's a little bit of of Peter's uh, future narration here in the, in the in this scene where he says you just you have to understand I was just making the transition from Peter Parker bookworm to Pete's not such a bad guy. And I'm like, yeah, that really did happen in the Romita era where Peter's where Peter Stock being such like a a nebbish bookworm and he started the wallflower the, the,
1: the cool, popular guy. Hey, it's uh, it's Pito. Pito, we'll get to Pito. <laughs> oh man! Uh, meanwhile, while this uh, you know class flirtation is happening, we we get introduced to the Rhino here. Uh, the Rhino is being held in captivity by two guards. Two, yeah, he's, he's the way two he is. Blue shirted guards.
0: He's sleeping in this like gigantic glass prison that he's in,
1: like a cyber uh, like, age
0: they're constantly pumping in sleeping gas, and there's a giant lever that says, Warning, Air Flush.
1: Uh, and and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not even to like riot guards to to anything like that. It's two like like be- blue shirted guts over belts, just donut eating cops Two very classic New York City beat cops who uh, get their heads clunked together by the, the the mystery guy. He sneaks in uh clobbers the guards and releases the rhino. Uh Robbie Robertson al- alerts Peter to the new story of the rhino's rampage. Uh, rhino of course his single motivation here is running around New York City screaming Spider-Man. Bring me Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man like to just to God and anybody that'll listen. He's like he's like an 8-year-old at a party. He just really wants Spider-Man to be there. Yeah, he's he's president of the fan club. Uh, he's he's desperate to fight Spider Man for some reason. Um, maybe he was you know defeated a little too hard, sore loser. Could be something Mystery Man said to him. But that's we get our singular motivated uh Rhino here. There's a, a a great little battle sequence between them. Uh, it's, you know, fun stuff. Like we've said, the fights move very quickly in this. They don't outstay their welcome, but that doesn't, like, hamper them either, normally. Some of the pacing gets weird a little later, but this one's fine. Um, They they fight, and then they separate after a temporary defeat for the Rhino, who Spidey just can't, you know, seem to take down for the count. Uh, and as the Rhino flees, he leaves behind a little sample of his his super-thick, like, like hide a piece of his yeah. leather, so to speak. Uh, so Spider-Man decides to take it to Dr. Curtis Connors. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, always great to see him. And uh, I've got to say, out of all the media that I've read and seen and, you know, enjoyed Spider-Man wise, this has got to be probably my favorite portrayal of Curtis Connors that I've seen. He's they get a lot about this character, right? You know, I, I you know don't mean for every character we bring up to say, oh, yeah, characterization, it's great here. But it really is with Curtis Connors here. Um, We get his great. I don't want to be lizardified again, but I will help with science if it means helping save people stuff.
0: They they give they give Kurt a lot
1: of dignity here in this comic. And I really, really like that. For especially as little time as he's here, too. They just they they nail everything about him for while he's here.
0: Yeah. And him, him and Peter have a really good relationship where they're talking about science and stuff and wanting to help people. Uh, and it's it's I feel like it's a very far cry. We'll we'll, we'll talk more about him uh, a little bit later in the comic, but I feel like it's a, it's a very far cry from uh, Rice Eiffen's, uh I'm a scientist, not a cripple.
1: Uh, yeah, from the first I, amazing movie. They're, they're just they're not even the same character. It feels like this is just such a more like testament to the character and what he what he is and who he is. Uh, but yes, formerly the artist formerly known as the lizard and, and Peter team up here. Uh, researching a solution to help them solve the mystery of the rhino's impervious hide. Uh, however, they you know they come to the determination in this process that this this brings the risk of uh, the exposure to this these chemicals to work on this might trigger the re lizardification process. Um, but you know Curtis, you know he's he's a man of science. He's a man of of ethics, and he knows that this the rhino needs to be stopped. And if this is what it takes this is what it takes so they they formulate this this chemical concoction to integrate into uh peter's web shooters which will uh at the cost of turning them like a brown orange like gunk color uh <laughs> uh they will dissolve the rhino's hide off of them and it works uh he he seeks out the rhino encounters again him again and uh takes him down by wrapping him in this special concoction webbing and, and wearing the suit away and pummeling him to, you know, unconsciousness. Yeah, he covers him in orange tang and then melts his suit. <laughs> he's, I would love it if he was wearing, like, white boxers with red hearts on them, but, you know, you can't, you know, get it 100%. Like the
0: fucking Paul Giamatti
1: right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I
0: am the Ryan, though.
1: Oh, my God. I, I... <laughs> I have. I would love to see him in Spider Verse, whatever you know. That'll be, you know, very funny. But yeah, we've we've you know defeated the Rhino here, and meanwhile, the whole time, the mystery antagonist has been watching from adjacent rooftops. Uh, Peter heads home. We're wrapping up the end of Book Two here uh, to get ready for a study session with Gwen, and is corralled by Aunt May to stop for a moment and finally meet a uh, long-awaited, long. Uh, hyped, blind date of his, uh, Aunt May's friend, Anna Watson's niece, Mary Jane. And we get our our little reinterpretation here of the face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot introduction. I'm going to say it
0: again. It's really good. Mm -hmm.
1: It, It does justice to like the, you know, the same iconic intro from the original run. Uh, Mary Jane is, is great in this. Uh, it's, it's the young version of Mary Jane. These characters are all young in this. This is, you know, college era, uh, Spider-Man stuff, but this is, you know, before MJ is more grounded and more down to earth. She's very much the, the, oh girl, the party girl here, uh, party moves with her wherever she goes. Um, yeah, this,
0: this sort of transitions us into to book three, which, mm-hmm. uh, has that, that sort of first, uh, Those first interactions with MJ and Gwen, and I wanted to talk about one of my favorite things about this comic, which I think it's it's really good at sort of highlighting those differences between Gwen and MJ, because there's not a whole lot of Spider-Man media where the two of them are together and interact for a long period of time.
1: Uh, There's just not a lot of time there for
0: that. Adaptations outside of the comics. Uh but because you know they're they're it understands that they're very fundamentally different people gwen is uh a lot more like peter uh she's a lot more i don't i don't know what the best word for like i don't i don't want to say like demure but no it's, it's a good word for it something along those lines uh but whereas mj is at in this era sort of the 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 big time party girl wherever she goes the party follows and i think that the sort of interplay between the two of them and then also when pete gets thrown in the mix uh i think that's it's Really, really good, and it's the heart of this comic, and it's why it works so well.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure, um, we we do get a great little introductory moment here where Mary Jane meets with Peter at the gang's hangout, the the whatever bean, the jive bean, yeah, it's, like, it's bean. like a like a the coffee
0: bean barn. Like that's the, the name bean
1: barn. You know the
0: the the classic, the New York staple. Yeah, that's in uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual number one, not number one, number three. No, number 4. Amazing Spider-Man annual number 4. I wonder if they have singing waitresses. The the back pages after the uh after the uh story the I main story is over. It's, it's The Coffee Bean Born. It's
1: very oh, funny. I'll have to commit that to memory. Yeah. Uh, uh Flash Thompson spends a little time there flirting and getting rebuffed by MJ the new addition to the group. Uh Gwen kind of knows, you know, competition slash a comrade when she sees it and plays the whole scenario very very cool there's not a lot of like cattiness here uh, Peter's friends are all pretty much in like a state of astonishment that he's making time with with uh, with MJ who, who by all accounts is not quite Peter's like speed you would presume she's a little more like bodacious than a girl of, of, you would think Peter would be interested in or able bodacious. to beg it's, it's a good word for it I think Uh, when, uh, a news report about the lizard comes across the, the TV there at the coffee bean barn, uh, Peter, you know, is immediately like, oh God, all right, not only do we have a situation here, this is a Kurt Connors situation, I really gotta act on this. But, uh, it's Mary Jane that suggests to Peter that he goes to, uh, chase down the action with her in tow. So, they, uh, they, they leave the party, and they hop on his motorcycle and head into town. Uh, we get a great little moment here where MJ like sweet talks, the cop uh, distracting him
0: as they, as they ride up on their motorcycle. We have this, this another splash page of uh, Peter riding his motorcycle with Mary Jane. And, and she says, Weeha! come on, Peto, Can't this thing move any faster? We haw, I... Oh,
1: that's, that's great. I love that. It's it's classic. It's 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 of his time, I guess. It's very. It's a very
0: 1960s thing to say.
1: Yeah, to say the least. Uh, like I said, Mary Jane Sweet Talks uh, a police officer into distraction enough to uh, let Peter pass the police barricade. Uh, he heads down into the the station that the lizard has been cited at. I think it's a subway station or something. Uh, he's already, you know, Spider-Manned up. He spots uh, Dr. Connors' wife and son uh, worriedly looking around for him at, at the station. Uh, so Spider-Man reassures that he's going to help locate Mr. Oh, Mister Connors. God, he went to school. Sorry, Dr. Connors. Uh, and help him get back to normal. Uh, to, that's when he descends down into the tunnels where the lizard was last uh, spotted. His spider sense goes off. Uh, always happy to see that. Uh, we get some great lizard versus Spider-Man action sequence here. Uh, a lot of great tail whipping stuff, just classic lizard trying to kill you action. Uh, I, I like the lizard a lot as far as like the, you know, minor inside Spider-Man villains go. Uh, I realize he's just like a it's it's not a very, you know, original design lizard, crazy scientist man in the lab coat. But come on, it's a giant lizard. It's lizard in a lab coat. I feel like it's kind of an original design. What do you what do you want? It's great. It's great. Uh they fight a lot they fight hard and then a uh, a train eventually separates them from you know uh either side of the tracks uh where the the mystery man our main antagonist has been stalking spider man throughout all of this and hides down there and promises the lizard safe passage uh you know a way out of here and the lizard doesn't trust him at first very much um But does decide to take him up on the offer and disappear from the vicinity, uh, ending the fight. Peter, uh, you know, is disappointed by this and decides to head back to MJ, uh, a little battered, a little worse for wear from the fight with a big bruise on his eye, which earns him a kiss from MJ. Uh, He goes from here to uh, a little weird moment where, like, what does she call him, her guy or something, but then takes off and is like, oh, I don't need a ride. I don't need anything. It's just, you know, mixed signals as hell. Yeah, Uh, he takes off from there to the bugle to turn the shots in and uh, quickly go from there to Dr. Connor's office, which is where he suspects that the lizard will be going to, uh, you know, do his thing where he tries to turn everybody into lizards because I don't think he's actually. Oh, wait, no, he
0: is straight up. I forgot. Yeah, he briefly, briefly mentions it. The, The lizard doesn't know that he's Dr. Connor's. Uh, And it says all he knew was that Connors had access to chemicals that could make more reptile creatures. (laughs) So he doesn't say he's going to turn people into lizards. He just says he's going to make more lizard. He he wants to
1: build a reptile army. You know,
0: if I was a lizard man, I would also want to build a reptile army, so I can't fault him for that.
1: I want to do that, and I'm not a lizard man, so let's let's go, I guess. Uh, Spider-Man hatches a little plot here to uh, flush the room with, with reserves of liquid nitrogen uh, to cool everything down and uh, with the lizard's cold blood in mind it'll like disable him and slow him down long enough to uh, have exactly to the moment and second enough time to cure his lizard state with lizard serum. Uh, and revert him into a normal person the very moment his family comes through the door to his office. Yeah, it's it's all it's all in
0: half a page four panels. Uh, that's that's the com- comics compressing time for you, I guess. It's just bang yeah. bam, bam, bam 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 done. When
1: when I said earlier about one of these fights being very strangely paced, uh, this is the one I was I was talking about. Uh, I, it's not a gripe so to speak, it's like like said about like the compression of time. It's just it feels very convenient and if there's like if there's one eh moment I have in this whole comic, it's just that idea of like, oh, God, well, that was quick. That was great. Uh, good timing. How, how are you guys? Don't mind the fact that this room is 20 degrees. Don't mind like the, the fact that it looks like Lizard and Spider-Man fought in here. How, how are you, Billy? <laughs> it's it is what it is. Are um, you doing champ? <laughs> Peter uh, goes back home to find uh, Harry Osborn on his porch uh, and. Uh, waiting for him outside. Uh, his friend is there to uh, make him an offer to move in with him. Uh, Norman Osborne, being the ever-precocious landlord that he is, I suppose, on top of everything else, uh, has an apartment in, in town that he will let Peter and Harry live in rent-free near the ESU campus. Uh, an absolutely cavernous atrium of an apartment, just excessive Uh, Yeah, we'll see it it,
0: later. It's like it's this like gigantic. It's got like 20 foot high ceilings, giant windows. It's there's not even like handrails on the stairs. It's just a massive, very 60s apartment that they live in. It's really fun.
1: I I like to imagine you could probably fit the Parker home in there multiple times over. Probably something Um, like that. But uh, Pete says he has to talk about this with Aunt May first and goes inside to do so. Uh, but before he's gone, uh, Harry also makes it clear that he has an interest in Mary Jane and intends to do something about that without, um, you know, without saying, you know, so to speak, just like, hey, I'm I'm going to shoot my shot here. Hope you don't mind, but also kind of tips him off that um, Gwen Stacy has kind of been giving him the eye. So that's that's where we close yeah. out about about the, the halfway point, give or take of our story here.
0: And I love how confused Peter is when Harry tells him that uh, Gwen likes him. He's like, what? Huh? What? What? Are you
1: sure? What we'll gave we'll you that impression? You shitting me? <laughs> Real shit? Uh, Aunt May and Peter have this little nervous uh, talk to each other about moving on and moving out of each other's lives in this way. Uh, Peter's leaving his childhood home. You know, the the last relative he has that raised him. Uh, May's a little frail and old and they're, they both have their concerns, but May eventually gets the... Oh, what's up?
0: Uh, you, no, you were getting... I was going to talk about Anna, but you're
1: getting there. You're fine. Uh, Aunt May gets the, the gumption to mention that she's been thinking about moving in with uh, Anna Watson, her, her longtime pal. And Peter eagerly gives the idea his blessing. Um, kind of two birds, one stone. Very convenient for both of them. Uh, Aunt May encourages him to move in with Harry, but also, you know, is also laying on thick the romantic advice about Mary Jane. Um, We we get a great little cutaway here to the municipal prison, where they just keep all the villains together, I guess, you know, uh, that's how prison works. And we have Adrian Toomes himself, the the elderly vulture, going into uh, a heart attack, a state of cardiac arrest, on the floor during she he, he chokes uh, on a t-bone and he's dying <laughs> yeah he's he's down for the count we think uh he's laying there near death and another fellow convict named Blackie drago uh sidles up like right up in his dying face and, and yeah, he just gets up at and he's like tell me why you hid the fucking
0: vulture suit you son I, of a bitch
1: i know you've got a spare set of wings old man where are they and for some fucking reason tombs tells him I, I, I well, you know, he thinks know. he's going to die. Yeah, might as well, I guess. He's a little delirious. Uh, Peter, uh, well, we, we cut away from this scene once this has happened. Peter is escorting Aunt May to Anna Watson's house where we see uh, Mary Jane about to be picked up for a date with Perry Osborne great little moment there, I think where Aunt Mays like makes a little side comment about not liking that Harry Osborne boy so much, even though the other day, like to Peter, she was like, "Oh, yeah, move in with your friend. It's great. It's great. she, no, she could, she'd smell the goblin on him, yeah. <laughs> she did, well, you can see it on him too. He looks like a goblin. this this version of Harry. Uh, Peter tells him that uh, he's decided he is going to move in with him after all. Uh, he hasn't seen the place yet. The, the There's an upcoming housewarming party that they're trying to set up, which is where Peter intends to, like, you know, get, get the lay of the land for the first time. Um, we cut back to the prison again, and the mystery man is back up to his tricks. Uh, he aids Blackie Drago in assisting in bursting out of jail and locating the spare set of vulture wings, which are in like an X marks the spot location past the bridge and somewhere uh, it's, it's very yeah, it's, vague. Like, it's, like the, it's, like
0: bridge, uh, it's like the bridge, it's like the bridge Beetlejuice that he takes them to.
1: Yeah, kind of um, that he just kind of vaguely digs in the snow for a while until he finds it. Um, they talk about a deal they have for a little while before uh, Blackie Drago takes off in flight, uh, evading a hail of policeman bullets as, as they're caught doing this. Uh, we get our sequence of uh, Peter as Spider Man heading towards the housewarming party um, at the new place. It's Harry, MJ, Gwen, and Flash waiting there uh, as always. MJ and Gwen are playing pool, and Flash is gazing out of the window where he sees Spider Man. And ever the you know giant Spider f- fan freaks out. You know has a little moment about it, but the yeah. girls don't see him and uh, poke fun at the jock, you know with his little Spider Man obsession uh the party is kind of dull peter isn't there yet and everyone's waiting for him so they decide to do what uh, people in the 60s what 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 hip young kids in the 60s did and just put on some bebop and start dancing you know, oh yeah
0: and just... they uh, if if you, the, in the trade paperback they uh, they show off like a little sketchbook where they show that that picture of gwen dancing is like almost like one to one a panel from the, a comic it's you know it's Stanley, a middle-aged man trying to write what he thinks that the youth do in the '60s, which is very fun.
1: And then they danced for two hours. They danced. Uh, they they danced the Charleston. People still do that, right? They did the jitterbug right after. Peter <laughs> yeah. is by again, kind of toying with Flash, uh, and is you know swinging by when he's taken by surprise his web is cut by a vulture wing, a passing vulture wing. Uh, Gwen and MJ are wondering what's taking Peter so long, uh, and we cut from that to Peter being beaten down by this winged villain, just getting the absolute crap knocked out of him, as he's wont to do. Uh, Blacky Drago, the, this this new vulture, pummels him for a while and leaves him in a crumpled mess on top of the roof, uh, dazed in a snowdrift.
0: And uh, Spider-Man gives a, a really funny line uh, when Blackie first like reveals himself. Uh, Spider-Man says, uh, don't you bad guys have a union or something to keep this from happening? Trademark infringements, a copycat clause. I think that's really
1: funny. The whole idea behind like the Guild of Calamitous Intent, I guess. Uh, well, hey, you know, the bad guys got to have a union too. precisely. Uh, Peter, uh, you know, kind of get gathers himself there. He He's, he's left wondering what what Gwen must be thinking of him right at this moment. And that that leaves us uh, closing out book four with Blackie Drago leaving, thinking he has killed Spider-Man, but very much has not. In uh, fact,
0: he in fact, he in fact says, ha, I won. Spider-Man is dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's I it, I don't know how Peter, Mr. Quips sat there and didn't go. No, I'm not. You know, just something like that. Well, you that. know, he's
0: trying to lick his wounds. He doesn't want to draw <laughs> attention to himself.
1: Hard to resist the urge, I don't know. Uh, At the, you know, beginning of this next issue, Peter kind of shambles up to his new house for the first time. This new pad, uh, suffering from the defeat at the hands of this new vulture. Harry greets him. Uh, it's dark and dim in there. Everyone's already left for the night. Peter is way late for this party. Uh, Harry... Kind of hand-waves everything away. Is like, oh yeah, you're probably taking pictures of Spider-Man or something. You're working late, whatever. And uh, Peter goes to bed and passes out. The Mystery Man, meanwhile, uh, notes that Spider-Man, while declared dead by the Vulture, has survived their encounter and uh, begins doing some further tracking from there. Uh, He finds himself going towards the Municipal Prison ICU, where the Vulture who, who, what, what, okay, it was a heart attack, but he was, he was poisoned, right? Is that what we're, we're dealing with here? Something like that? Because this, well, this sequence like that, yes. deals with an antidote of some sort. Rather than yeah. administering this antidote via like the IV bag or just poking him, he, he pulls out a, a slender little blowgun and a dart uh, and administers this, this anti-toxin this way, demanding... Adrian Toomes help him succeed where Blackie Draco oh, failed. And it's just like, what the fuck, man? He
0: shoots, a, he shoots a blow dart at him, which, you know, might reveal to you if you're uh, you're a keen-eyed reader of uh, who the mystery man actually is. Uh, because it's who the a... fuck else would use a blow dart against uh, to heal
1: someone? It's Blowgun Man, the classic Spider-Man villain. The classic Spider-Man villain, right up there with Big Wheel. You don't remember them from annual number whatever? <laughs> Number 85. The uh, the next day past this uh, Mary Jane and Gwen are visiting a sick bedridden Peter uh, attempting to win his attention and affection. Uh, what is, I know what Gwen does. What does MJ do? She brings soup, right? MJ brings
0: uh, soup and Gwen brings over uh, Huck Finn. And Peter is like, oh, I remember Huck Finn. Uh, Uncle Ben used to read that to me when I was sick. And Gwen's like, I know. Aunt May told me that Uncle Ben used to read you Huck Finn when you were sick. It's really funny.
1: Working that nostalgia angle hard, it's killer. Peter, you know, he's he's trying to figure out what the hell to do here when who else but Blackie Drago should fly by his window post-bank heist with a comical uh, giant canvas sack of money of, of stacks of dollar bills with a big dollar sign on the outside uh, flying yep. by. We get this great little moment where Peter has to be like, Oh well, I I need privacy and rest. And yeah, yeah Peter
0: Peter's like, Oh, I need uh, uh you know, I need to rest. Oh, I'm very sick. And there's this panel, there's no dialogue, it's just Gwen and MJ looking at Peter and they have these like dead-eyed, like, is this dude for real expressions? And it's really funny. It's,
1: it's fantastic. Uh, they leave in a huff, uh, gathering up everybody else to head out to this event this show they're all going to see hours hours in advance now because they don't you know they've made time for peter that he's not cashing in uh Peter reluctantly changes into his spider-man garb and heads outside into the snowy day to uh and he <laughs> i love that he's like
0: watching uh did we talk about that the other vulture showed up and fighting blackie he, yeah i was gonna do it uh, He's like standing there in his Spider-Man costume like he doesn't have his mask on. He's standing there staring out the window and like the two vultures are fighting like a foot from his window. <laughs> he's like, oh, I got to do this shit again. And I love that neither of the vultures notice him standing there. It's really funny. Oh, shit. Here we go
1: again. But yes, both vultures are now in midair combating each other. Um Adrian Tomb's now freed from the intensive care unit dog fighting his his you know uh padawan the learner successor. i guess <laughs> he tries to uh, spider-man tries to break up the fight and swings blackie into the side of a building at one point knocking the bag of cash from his hand but also dislodging a hefty piece of concrete from the building they fall in quick succession and the bag of money falls in front of a uh, pedestrian below flash thompson Who, you know, tries to go for the bag of money, the piece of concrete is heading towards him and Spider-Man goes out of his way to go down and rescue him Uh, in a great little great, great big panel here uh, referencing Amazing Fantasy 15. It's it's pretty gratuitous. It's it's the pose. It's a little gratuitous, but I think I think
0: it's it's it works.
1: It's fun. It's personally uh, I think my favorite panel of the comic, uh which is, you know, I thought my favorite was something something more poignant towards the end or something, but I really it's 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 about the dialogue for me at the bottom when Peter says, "Sometimes I do realize that God has a sense of humor and I actually get the joke." It's just that's such a that's Spider-Man a really quote thing. to me. I, that's I a love really it. It's a really good Peter line. It I don't know. It's it speaks volumes. Um so yes, he he's captured captured. He saved Flash, uh, and uh, you know they settle down for a second, and he implores Flash to take the bag of cash back to the the bank. Uh, this this little act of heroism and sacrifice has inspired our our young Mister Thompson to do some soul searching and contemplate heroism from here. Yeah, and and even.
0: Even Flash is really good in this comic. Everyone is very oh, yeah. very funny and well written. No, yeah. And they get all the characters and I think you've talked about how you you've never
1: really found Flash Thompson
0: to be a super interesting character but uh yeah across yeah,
1: all the different versions of him between, you know, what we get in the MCU and good old Eugene from from the amazing even back in I don't want to fight you. I don't want to fight me neither. Take the picture. <laughs> I'm not going to take the picture. Take the I'll, picture. I'll All the all the flashes we've gotten across all the mediums, uh, you know, he he, he's insufferable by design, but like they 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 do it so well here with reminding you of like how he loves Spider-Man and doesn't like Peter so much. They work that angle to a degree where it's 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 correct, but it's not overbearing. It's never too much. Uh, yeah. And they roll, they roll his like you know future plans that he's about to announce soon from this event, and pretty well too. They, they 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 hit all the nails right on the head. It's great, good good Flash Thompson stuff here. Um, yeah, Spider Man heads back into the fray and uh, delivers this simultaneous knockout to both Vultures uh, in the in the fight. Uh, once this is all wrapped up and completed, uh, Peter heads back to the bachelor pad. Uh, coming downstairs to join the girls and Harry who are waiting to receive an imminent announcement from Flash. He's going to join the army because that's what heroes do, uh, I guess.
0: You you know, it's 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 the 60s and Stanley's a middle aged man. He's like, uh, what what, what do heroes do join the army?
1: Good, good good for you, Flash. Uh, Enjoy Saigon, I guess uh way to go captain thompson uh th- that's the big announcement outside the window uh the mystery man is clutching a piece of spider-man's costume and, and that was left behind in the in the in the scuff and the in the fight and sniffing it for a scent gazing at the at the kids gathered and enjoying their evening closing out book five uh taking us into the final issue of this run of spider-man blue uh, we, we get this mystery guy sitting by and watching big tape reel footage of Spider-Man fighting all of the animal inspired villains that we've uh, seen him fight over the years. He goes, you know, the scorpion, the octopus, the rhino and lizard and vulture. Uh, and he's studied their moves and Spider-Man's abilities. And it's now time for him to do the hunting because spoiler alert, guys, he's he's craving the hunter. The oh, mystery my God, band. it's Craven the Hunter. The Who would have known? The giant weirdo in the fur coat was Craven the Hunter. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? We we get a little scene, a little pre-party scene of Harry and Peter enjoying some roommate time, just hanging out and shooting the shit. Harry is uh, too lazy to go retrieve his own aftershave lotion, so he asks Peter for some of his, which will, and you know, gum up the works later. Did you talk about the Valentine? I left it out. Jeez, how did I do that again? Again. Yeah, wow. You would have thought. Yeah, that's this this is here, right? When they talk about that. Uh,
0: yeah. And uh Peter gets a, a Valentine that isn't signed, it just has a smiley face on it. Little blue, uh, smiley and he just face. assumes he just assumes it's from Aunt May or somebody else. Uh doesn't really think much about it. And then he gives uh Harry his aftershave.
1: Peter's very smart, by the way. He's he's very smart. Uh very smart. But... uh yeah they they're they're freshing up for the party and the girls arrive both of them look fantastic and peter and harry look like peter and harry uh the the rest of the overflow party crowd rush over to harry and peter's place and you know properly fill it up this time uh it's kind of a going away slash congratulations flash thing i think he's mentioned he's done basic training at this point Uh, Harry mentions to Peter at a point during the party that Norman Osborn has called and was asking after Peter, which creates a little bit of tension there. Why the hell is our good old amnesiac Norman calling after him? What's going on there? Yeah, Uh, we're
0: very concerned.
1: And Craven the Hunter, uh, ever the master of subtlety, uh, wearing his, you know, giant lion leotard brown diaper get up uh
0: Look, looking like a like a Caesar's Palace performer busts right through the window and just slams onto the gr- onto the ground and demands that Spider-Man is here.
1: Yeah, demands a Spider-Man fight. We get a you know quite a few people going for that. He he, he makes an immediate beeline for Harry Osborne, mistaking his scent uh for Spider-Man, and kidnaps him in front of everybody and leaps out the window. Peter stammers out this great little uh, camera of pictures uh, bugle, Spider-Man excuse uh, that changes yeah, into his outfit. He, what does he say? It everybody says, uh, it's camera, great. B-
0: camera, bugle, photos, Spider-Man. And then there's another great shot of uh, Gwen and MJ with are you fucking kidding me? Expressions on their faces. Uh,
1: they, they, and, get, uh, they get a lot of opportunities to make that face in this comic.
0: And Peter's narration says, I wish I could ask you now. Did either of you ever buy my pathetic attempts at excuses? Hard, hard to,
1: you know. Hm. Uh, Craven is convinced that Harry is Spider-Man by by his scent and is threatening to toss the boy to the ground below, which, like, if he was Spider-Man, like, what the fuck do you think that's going to do, Craven? Uh, Spider-Man, Wait, Spider-Man shows up and begins to, you know, knock around a very confused Craven who's like, oh, God, what the fuck? Dead. Spider-Man. Uh, Peter razzes him for this a bit. It's a very funny sequence. They're fighting in like a, a half constructed building like and uh, in, in, like in the where the walls aren't. But there's, you know, entrances and who should yeah, come in through the entrance, who should come in through the entrance. But Norman Osborne, who just. Yeah, Norman Osborn, rides,
0: the sweatiest man alive. Norman Osborne, rides up in an elevator. It's like, I'd be Stop. Leave him alone.
1: I'm here. Fresh out the do rag. Norman Osborne shows up. With his waves. And, uh, he's, he's demanding to know what's going on. Harry, get away from here. Harry, where's my son, Harry? Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Craven looks up and, you know, kind of recognizes him, I suppose. Uh, giving Spider-Man the opportunity to knock him out before he can speak any further. Uh, leaving Craven, like, stammering out, uh, something about an honor contract with the Goblin and a, a debt that was owed to him before he's down for the count. And we get good old sweaty Norman, uh, gleefully thanking spider-man for saving his son uh but also going (laughs) you know plenty of that (laughs) overcome by the emotion of it all uh and he's he leaves with harry you know harry taking him in tow to to clean him up peter heads back home to rest uh hopefully but is uh Gwen is waiting for him in his room. And this is uh, kind of the emotional climax of the entire novel, where him and Gwen are together for the first time, uh, just them. And he gives this little little emotional soliloquy about how he gave all of him to her that night. And it's yeah. just a very touching, very, very great moment.
0: And it's it's revealed that that Valentine that Peter got was from Gwen and mm-hmm. they kiss and it's it's a
1: it's a really good scene. Very special, be my Valentine moment. Good stuff. This um, this kind of wraps up the flashback and pulls us back to uh the ending narration from Peter here, uh, recording these final thoughts to Gwen on the tape recorder and and going on about you know the change that came about in his life from losing and loving her and and all that. Just ho- this is all in service. He says of of somebody finding it someday and remembering Gwen. He doesn't want there to be no no record of her, no no memory of her uh, that just he carries forever. Yeah, he, t- he
0: talks about how uh, after Gwen died, he was very, very rude to Mary Jane, uh, but then it ended up sort of grounding her in a way mm-hmm. uh, and making her realize how short life could be and having her mature a little bit. Uh, and it sort of strengthened their relationship, and he doesn't He realizes that uh, if Gwen hadn't passed, then he would have never really been able to have a real relationship with Mary Jane, uh, Mm -hmm. just as Mary Jane walks into the attic that Peter's in.
1: Yeah, it's it's at this moment that on Valentine's Day, this late in the evening, we get our our look at this haggard, disheveled, thoroughly depressed and and through the emotional ringer, Peter. I love
0: this panel with Peter. Where his, like, half his face is in shadow. He looks so haggard. His dead eyes.
1: There. He's, he's very, he's, he's just broken. It's a good word for him here. He's, he's let it all out. He's in a, like, a state of, like, depressed catharsis. And he seems to be expecting Mary Jane to be, you know, he's, he's, he's spent the day of romance locked away in the attic crying over his dead college girlfriend, uh, years into this marriage. But, uh, MJ, who, who is also, like, bathed in blue in this panel. Even her, like, iconic red hair that we've seen for the entire comic is, you know, just this subtle shadowy black-blue. Uh, she just kind of gives him a kiss and tells him to tell Gwen that she loves and misses Gwen too and leaves him to do his thing, you know, finish it off and, and you know, come downstairs and ready. So he signs off on uh, that year's message to Gwen and, you know, makes some remarks about Valentine's Day and feeling blue. And uh, I know you have a lot of love for this last panel, so you can you can talk about it if you want. Yeah, there's
0: at the end he he's finishing off the recording uh, and he he says for the last uh, line of the comic, he says, and I long for a time when a girl I knew with an incredible smile and so much good in her heart made me think life can be great. And then it cuts to the last panel, uh, which is my favorite panel in the book and maybe one of my favorite comic panels ever. Uh, which is Peter pressing stop on the tape recorder uh, and on top of the tape recorder is just a, a four panel uh, photo booth picture of uh, Peter and Gwen. It's it's just a really good, really, really good panel. I love this. I love this comic so much.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely earned its its place in my uh, my like, oh yeah, oh, you want to read Spider-Man? Read Spider-Man Blue. It's, I, I don't know. I'm going to be plugging it for a long time from here on out, I think yeah uh alex
0: do you have any fun facts for this comic book
1: so with this being uh a bit of a different media than than a film or tv production there's not so much behind the scenes like resources i have uh as far as trivia or fun facts go it's uh mostly just stuff i was able to find about like very little like plot inconsistencies uh stuff like you know we get a lot of great little robbie bugle moments here uh but apparently at this point in the comic run robbie hadn't been introduced as a character yet uh so no little anachronism there but it's you know it's a comic book and what are you gonna do have a story with the daily bugle in it that doesn't have robbie it's it's asinine uh the uh circumstances around the green goblin losing his memory are a bit different like that whole setup is uh you know I, I don't mind fudging things a bit for the service of the story. It is what it is. Uh, aside from that, there's just a little bit of uh, timeline weirdness. Whereas in this comic, Peter comes from a fight with the rhino to meet MJ and go towards the lizard. Whereas in the original run of comics, it was uh, taking MJ towards the rhino. Just, you know, little stuff like that. Uh, you can never expect him to get everything 100% right with this kind of stuff. But uh, it's it's yeah, yeah. Just not a terrible amount of trivia here that I'm aware of. Uh, if I did miss anything that you think people should know about this, if you're listening, feel free to correct me and remind me in a DM or a tweet or something like that. We have all those socials and all email. Yeah,
0: it's the the sort of. The, it, it it covers, I think, uh, what the issues of 40. It's in the 40s. Yeah, like 41 to 44, the neighborhood. That's sort of very early Ramita era. Uh, and it just, it's it gets to the heart of everything. It's not super focused on continuity and stuff. But right. uh, I don't think for this, we're really going to do any sort of uh, rankings. Uh, because, I mean, once we do No Way Home, we're going to put that in the, the final movie ranking. But for this season, because we have so many disparate things, I don't think there's really a need to do a ranking thing but uh alex what are your sort of overall thoughts on this comic
1: i uh, it's uh just a lot of what i've said already i i think this comic um it does a great service to this story and um sheds a lot of light on a lot of the things that peter has been through like we all know he's a tragic guy there's a lot that goes wrong in his life parker luck and all that but um the, the exploration of like the effect of of Gwen's death, not on just himself, but on other people is uh, was worth exploring with this kind of thing, I think. And um, like we've said a lot, it, it gets almost every single character that it brings up and discusses and plays around in this plot. They get it correct. Um, it, it it's I can't imagine a new like an immediate newcomer would have a great time with this right off the bat just because it. it seems to help it hopes you command like a working knowledge of all the events and all these things that these characters have already been through um but if you know if it is something that uh piques your interest i would highly highly recommend it i uh i like i said this was my first seriously reading this and and ruminating it and letting it like digest and i sincerely sincerely enjoyed it as sad as it was i read it like in the dark last week with my headphones on listening to like ODST soundtrack, saxophone music, and it was just perfect. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good uh, soundtrack for it. It was great. Um, it broke my fucking heart, but it was great. Uh, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed Spider-Man Blue, and I know I will be reading it again multiple times in the future.
0: Yeah, uh, I've said it before on the podcast and outside of it, but I would probably say that this is my favorite set of Spider-Man comics. Uh, it's great action. There's really funny dialogue. There's beautiful art, and I think I don't think I referenced. I talked about this earlier, but uh, the the one thing that this comic gets right the most is also the one thing that sort of separates Spider-Man, I think, from all the other superhero comics and things. And that's really, really great interpersonal drama. Yes. There's 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 action. There's you know there's humor. There's all this other stuff. But really, these are comics about characters and their relationships between each other. It's just about people, absolutely. And I th- it, that it's very telling that the climax is not a big f- fight sequence. It's you know, two people, you know, in love together. that's it it it's really, really good. And for my money, it's i I'd, I'd say it's the the sort of the ideal. Spider-Man story. I I love this comic so much.
1: Completely agreed. They, They do a lot at that ending with MJ and Peter saying a lot without actually saying out MJ never actually says like, wow, Peter, it really is great that that Gwen's death was able to help me Mary Jane Watson, find grounding and become a normal person. They they don't hit you over the head like that. It, it, you're you're meant to like sit there and, and draw your conclusions and, and understand. Yeah, there's a lot of really it's, great uh, There's
0: really really great nonverbal cues there in the art. It's it's
1: great. It, it's subtle in all the right places. It's and it's a it's a joy to look at all over as for as sad as it is. Uh, even the blue stuff is just it's it's gorgeous.
0: It's a masterpiece.
1: For sure. Uh, Absolutely. Big fan.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got a question or a comment that you want us to read on next week's episode, because we did not get any letters this week, uh, be sure to send it to us at our email address, spideysignalspodcast at gmail.com, or you can shoot us a DM on our Twitter, at spideysignals. DMs are open. I have ensured multiple times that they are. But shoot us a message. We'll read it uh, after we give our final thoughts. Uh, Next week, we're going to cover the first half of the first season of The Spectacular Spider-Man. So until then, stay responsible. Uh, Bye. Yeehaw!